Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. A lot of people believe that as long as you add leaderboards, points, and badges, you now have created a gamified experience. Um, that is not true. What you've added is some game mechanics to something. Um, to really create a gamified experience, you really need to merge behavior science with art. So you need to really understand the behavior of people, like you mentioned the customer journey, but how how they behave in the customer journey of that particular product at that particular part. And then, and then you really need to understand game design and how designing works and what, what is out there, what kind of mechanics could possibly fit. And that's the art part. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with speaker and leadership mentor Eric Rogel and with Veronica Shannon of Retub, then do go listen in, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Alia Sandovar. She's a gamification and play consultant at Tint Hue. She helps established business owners create deeper engagement for their online programs and turn clients into raving fans through gamification. She's also the co-founder of the Playful Creative Summit, a free summit dedicated to adding more play and creativity to the world, which launches every year in April. In our discussion today, Alia talked to me about how Gamification is actually more than just leaderboards, points, and badges. She explained how gamification brings together behavioral science, art, and design. And she described the proper way to do leaderboards. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Alia Sandovar. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Portugal, a little village uh, north of Lisbon on the coast, on the Atlantic coast there, Alia Sandovar, who's a game and play consultant and supports online entrepreneurs to gamify their programs, their products, and their marketing. So that sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm hoping that our conversation today will be a lot of fun. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Alia. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here, so looking forward to our conversation. David Chislett, who was our guest on episode 377 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Alia, and he introduced us. So big hello to David. <laughs> Yeah, David is awesome. He's um, he's my partner in crime uh, at the Playful Creative Summit. We're co-founders of that summit. Yeah. So probably yeah, that's right. why. That, that's that's what I've got on my notes here now. I'm going to mention <laughs> that. So thanks for thanks for doing that for me. Now you help online businesses create deeper engagement by adding more fun to their products, to their programs, and and a whole range of other things that I sort of learned about as I was digging into some of your online material. Um, one of the things that I was curious about, because I know you've got a lot of different um, different things in your skill set um, background. You've studied a lot of different areas. 
what is it that drives you? How did you kind of get into this whole game thing and, and how does that drive shape what you do today? Oh, wow. Well, I have to tell you, it's, it's been a long, windy road. It wasn't like a straightforward <laughs> thing uh, um, that, you know, suddenly as a kid, I would know that this is what I wanted to do. I would say the seed was planted by my grandmother. Um, so when we were little, uh, we would spend the summers in Medellin. And this this was something my mom was working. So we would spend the summers in Medellin with my aunt and my grandmother. And what my grandmother would do, she would play a lot of games with us, all kinds of different types of games, and including like memory games. Uh, she would um, have us do um, like performances and things like this. And, and so we were always very active creating things with her. And one of the things that she used to do is during our snack time, um, rather than giving us pieces of fruit, and I mean, I'm not sure if you've been to South America, but there's so, there's such a variety of fruits, so many fruits everywhere. And so rather than giving us our little snack, uh, so we would just eat it, uh, she would have us, she would chop the fruit up into like a bowl and then she'd take a little toothpick and then she'd line us up and then she would ask us all either that whatever the the subject for the day was, whether it was math or science or history or whatever, and she would ask us all a, a question. And if we got get the question right, we'd get a little piece of fruit. And uh, usually we would get it right because she would also try to guide us like, oh, you know, and then she would give us the question based on our age. So my little sister, who was maybe two or three, you know, she would give her like really easy questions, like, you know, give me a number between zero and five or something. Um, and, and around, around the, the rounds would go, um, and she would give us harder and harder questions. I mean, we wouldn't play for hours, you know, maybe like 15 minutes or so. Um, but it was around that time that I sort of began realizing that I was smart and, um, I, up to that time, I didn't know that because I wasn't doing very well in school. And you wouldn't believe it by the number of degrees I have now. But but I really was a poor, poor student. Uh, but it was through the play that she was showing us that I, that I came to see that I was smart. Eventually, we did get a, uh, some friends who donated, donated to us a, um, a uh, game system. Um, so I did play some games. And then when I was in college, once we immigrated to the U.S., I played games. But at some point, I left all that because I, you know, if you come from a Colombian family, there's really five different types of jobs that are acceptable for the successful uh, child of a Colombian, and that's being a doctor, a lawyer, a consultant or business person, an accountant, and there's one more. I think maybe consultant and business are like, five. So anything less than that is going to be troublesome. So anything in the arts or design was not was not something that my family wanted for me. Uh, so I did that. I went into consulting first and I was quite unhappy. And eventually that led me into psychology and to a move to California. Now, we still haven't gone to the video game part because actually when I was working in psychology, um, again, something recurred, which was that the best times I had with my clients is when we were playing games. Um, and when I saw the most change, we either were playing games or we were, or, or we were doing something that was not psychotherapeutic in, with what you would expect in terms of sitting across from someone. Uh, but we were either cooking or, or, or playing outside in the, in the yard with uh, their children because I usually worked with parents. And I began sort of feeling like, you know, psychology was not enough. I, I needed something, something different. And, and I saw the power of games again. Uh, and I started to begin to connect the dots of what, what it had done for me. Um, and then, uh, I am a, a prayerful person. So, so I had, I was inspired to then, uh, look for other avenues. And I saw an ad for a startup weekend on video games and, that then planted the big seed of like, could I study video games? Could I could I become like a video game person? I mean, I played them, but I haven't played them in many years. And um, and what does that what does that look like? And 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 what kind of jobs are there? 
so after after that startup weekend, I just decided to to start a whole new program. I actually left my program in psychology. I, I finished the master's, but I had started a PhD in psychology. So I left that and I started a brand new PhD at a different university where I could study, um, get a master's and then a PhD in video games. So that was the beginning. What I find fascinating ab about that story is you kind of come full circle to back to video games, but I'm guessing that in those early days with your grandmother, it wasn't video games. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, when I was a young child and spending time with my great grandmother, in fact, who used to play lots of games with us. But this was in the days when we didn't have television and you know people mm. would make their own entertainment. So it's fascinating to me that you kind of went from that um, time when people perhaps made their own entertainment to now using the technology for the entertainment and studying how that works. So how do you see that? Um, well, I think the the wonderful thing about uh, technology is it can do things for us that we can't do in real life. Um, one of the well-known books in uh, video games for, for people who are interested is um, Reality is Broken. And the the reason why this book is so good, or one of the things that, that this is why this book is so good, is that it talks about this one, one thing, which is that the what what video games can do is they can give you um it, it's written by jane mcgonagall but what one of the things that it can do is they can give you direct feedback for every action you take if you think about our life and think about all the good actions that you're taking every day from uh giving everything you have to your job to maybe supporting a friend who had a difficult time to all the little things that you do for your children every day or for your spouse or for um, you know, or or just to be a good citizen in the world. And we don't get, the world doesn't reward us for that. It's not like there's someone taking a, like Tali. Well, maybe, maybe in heaven, we don't know. But, 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 but let's, but there's no one like tallying up and going, hey, good job. You just did that today. You've accrued a hundred, you know, mm. good, good points of um, being a good person today. Um, but games do that. So, so games, every action in a game has a reward and whether that reward is actually um, through gaining of stuff, you know, within the game that you get more points or more gold coins or whatever, or rewards because you unlock different areas or you get to explore different areas within the game or different abilities. And, and those are things that, that, um, that the technology can afford us right now that that reality can't and and so there are things that you can do what we call game mechanics uh, within the technology that sort of support the um, the continuing trying new things um, because we're in within a game you're not really bounded by by laws and rules like gravity or things like this <laughs> so if you wanted to do a double flip and catch the coin in the air, you could, you know, uh, most of us would have to really train a lot in gymnastics and all kinds of martial arts to be able to do a double flip. So, um, so, so I think it's, it's really powerful what we can do with technology. And now uh, with AI, games are being developed using uh, something called procedural generated content, which means that you can use artificial intelligence to create levels within games um, just by creating code. And, and so, so programmers don't even have to actually build a whole level of a game, um, but they can use this new technology to sort of build it on its own. Um, so there's a lot of cool, cool, very cool things happening, not only for you as a, as a player and how you interact, um, but also as, as uh, someone who builds games, um, all the different fun things that can occur in it. And yeah, so there's, there's, there's a lot of cool things. Of course, I would say that nothing that we, that games have created so far ever replaces like direct human to human connection and sitting next to someone, you know, 
Um, but but it is really quite cool the different things that that games can afford, including um, meeting people and connections. And I know many friends who who have friends who they play with who they've never met, but they're all over the world playing together uh, towards yeah. the goal. And and that's very, very, very cool. And including romances. <laughs> I know people who've met yeah. on games and and, and then got much, married yeah. or come mm. together to Yeah. So so there's a lot of things that the technology can can create. Mm. Yeah, well it's it's fascinating all the all the developments there and you touched on AI and machine learning and, and I'm thinking, you know, machine learning that there's a real um a real possible lots of possibilities there in in games i mean i think back to the very early days of chess computers that was something that i kind of played quite a bit mm -hmm. uh, improve my own chess skills and there'd be uh, levels in the chess games and and you would pick mm -hmm. you would pick the level so i'd pick the level that was mm -hmm. um, you know was challenging for me but i could still um, win a reasonable number of games so I didn't always lose and then if I was winning all the games then I would uh, push the level up one level so that to mm -hmm. improve my own skill and strategy but now of course with AI that that can all happen in the background and in fact the computer could actually learn my style of play mm -hmm. and start to, start to um, develop strategies that would combat my style right Exactly. Yeah. And of course, my background, I want to be clear, is not in programming. I just, because I work in the mm. field and then I work with a lot of programmers. So my background is more on the game design, how you design things and, and the production side of it. But I, by being part of this, I just happen to know and um, because I have friends who do this work. So, yeah. Mm, fascinating stuff. So with some... Um... With the design of experiences, I guess that's what my interest is in for the business side mm -hmm. of things. And you touched there on mm -hmm. uh, the instant feedback that you get from games and and the rewards that mm -hmm. that can mm -hmm. be built into games. So how do how do you apply that to um, a business environment to designing an experience, whether it's a uh, well, any customer journey, I suppose, um, you could look at it as an experience. And how do you mm -hmm. how do you bring the whole idea of game and the instant feedback and the fun into that? Yeah, this is a really <laughs> great question, <laughs> and it's actually like the entire process yeah. of how you gamify something. So I will try to to sort of um, summarize it a little bit. So it's essentially, um, there are different models out there on how you can gamify something. Um, so let me first start by saying that a lot of people believe, I'll, I'll use this myth, a lot of people believe that as long as you add leaderboard, leaderboards, mm. points, and badges, you now have created a gamified experience. Um, that is not true. What you've added is some game mechanics to something. Um, to really create a gamified experience, you really need to merge behavior science with art. So you need to really understand the behavior of people. Like you mentioned the customer journey, but how, how they behave in the customer journey of that particular product at that particular part. And then, and then you really need to understand game design and how uh, designing works and what what is out there what kind of mechanics could possibly fit mm. and that's the art part there there are like i mentioned different models of gamification out there but it, essentially the the models really have bef before you focus on doing it for a business you have to decide what part of your business you want to gamify so it's not so much because sometimes you may just only want to gamify a product or maybe you only want to gamify a particular team or a particular process, right? Um, and or a particular focus. So even with people who brought in gamification to their companies, uh, the gamification might have been for like employee motivation. So it's very specific. So I think the first tip is that gamification is one specific to that business. 
um, too specific to the the product um, or the program or or team that you're trying to create it for, and third, specific to your clients or employees who are part of that sequence. And then what you need to do is it ha you have to kind of look at things in three parts. Um, the the very first part, which which is something that I always tell people that is important, is the play personality. Now this really works more for business owners than it would for large corporations, but the play personality and is, you know, how is it that you play? And there's a play personality uh, quiz that I do for my clients. And how is it that you play? What is important about the way you play? Because that's kind of sort of going to hold the vision for how you're going to go about the gamified experience, right? And the and within that, you need to define the goals. What are the goals of this one product or service or team? And define them really clearly, um, you know, very specifically. Without without defining the goals, you can't even start gamification. So it's it's remarkably similar to, yeah. to many business projects, actually. Not with the end in mind, right? <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Because let's say let's say that um, I have a program, and one of my goals is to ensure that you know. Um, 80% of the people complete the program, the startup program complete the program. That means that I need to create in the game mechanics that I add and the way that I do reward systems and things like this, um, those that would most benefit the finishing of, of that program. So I may not put in things that might, that would just be uh, quick rewards. Maybe I'm thinking of rewards that would be long lasting that you have to accumulate over time in order for people to finish, for example. Um, so, so the goals are very important. Um, the second part that's really very important is understanding who is going to be at the other end of the gamified experience. So whether that's your customer or your employee, you really need to understand who they are. And again, there are several theories for how you can divide this group, um, but we would call them, how do you divide your players? And the players can be divided in different types and if, and you have to understand which player types you tend to have in, in your customer group or your employee group to know, again, how you design the mechanics. Um, so for example, one of the most popular ones of the player uh, type groups, um, is by Bartle, um, and he is a researcher that talks about like um, player types, and he he talks about four different types of player types, and um, he calls it like the taxonomy of player types. But essentially, what we're looking at is, um, are you someone who's like a killer, meaning that you are someone who has to be at the top all the time. You know, it's very based on comp competition and interacting with other players. Um, are you, um, and that's usually like um, about 1% of people can be sort of like killer types. Are you an achiever? Are you someone who is very driven internally, internally motivated to achieve? So you're not really so much focused about competing with others it is about acting but it's more about how you're seen in the world and then uh then or are you a socializer which actually a larger percentage of the population like 80 percent um and they're they're about interacting right um interacting with other players um and then the last one is the explorer which is also a small percentage it's about 10 percent of the population uh, fall in this category and and they're also about interacting, um, but they're they're about exploring and interacting in the world, right? So you have to understand, like you can take one of this is just one example of one of the uh, ways in which player types can be defined. There's like five or six different types, um, but with a with a gamification consultant, you would figure out okay which of these theories would work best for your company or your program or whatever. But anyway, this is just to 
So you, so you do, you do <laughs> and, really and need then you to would... know your target audience um, who, who are going to be the players. Yes. Now. So, hmm. Exactly. And then and you need to decide, okay, do I have what mix of these? Because mm. usually you have a mix, you know. Um, do, I, do I even have killers? Maybe some businesses don't have killers at all. So you wouldn't design any killer activities um, in your program because they wouldn't be there. It could be that that you only have achievers and socializers or achievers and explorers. So you have to design the experience so it fits those types of personalities. Mm. So there's, it's it's quite complex, isn't it? There's yes, it. yes, yes, <laughs> it's a lot of complex. Yeah, it's very complex. <laughs> Which explains yeah. why you've you've um, you've been able to spend so much time studying it, and I'm sure there's still a lot to learn. Um, one of the one of the things you you said um, it's a lot more than just leaderboards and points and badges, and I think mm -hmm. you know, that comes back to in my mind the one of the challenges or one of the areas where people talk a lot about gamification is in the area of online learning. And one of the challenges in, in the mm -hmm. online learning space is people buy courses and they, uh, you know, 80% of people never complete the course or, or you know, start, yep. start the course and kind of get bored or whatever. And, and yep. so the, the conventional wisdom is, or the simple wisdom, I guess, is, um, gamify it and people will more people will complete the course and, mm -hmm. and, and that's where you get well we'll put some leaderboards in there and we'll put some points and badges so mm -hmm. can you give us some examples of what more could people do in in courses to actually make that a really engaging experience and and maximize the chances of of most people completing their course yeah, of course. And actually, I do a workshop on this actually, <laughs> because it's one, of, it's one of the things that is so important. So I've sort of given you the framework. Um, so definitely defining your play personality, right? So mm. I think especially when you're doing a learning course, it's really important for the person designing the learning experience to really figure out what their play personality is. Why? because the flavor of the course should have your play personality already in it. Like, for example, I, ha I had two, and then I'll give you specific examples about inside the learning experience itself. But I had um, two clients. Um, one of them was doing a, a course on um, financial uh, well-being, financial wellness for entrepreneurs, and another one was doing a course uh, on writing. Now. Both are, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like financial uh, well-being for entrepreneurs is an important thing, but it's not the first thing you want to do <laughs> is that it's not super exciting. Hmm. So, and it's not something you associate with fun and games. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so, so what did we do uh, with her, with her course? Um, because of her personality and because she's a rebel and because this is this is kind of who she is and she likes to you know do things sort of like outside of the box actually both of them are kind of a little bit rebels um we we decided to give it a, a pirate theme mm. so so uh so it's themed like a pirate theme and everything is named like a pirate thing and so you kind of go on this and and then there's a pirate kind of scavenger map and and so you kind of go on this journey even within the so it's not like we, it's not that we build a new system you can use any system you already have like whether it's um whether it's udemy or whether you have podia or teachable all those systems you can insert all these things in the system so so it's not like just having a theme itself already makes it interesting. You know, the way you name things, um, the way the way that you develop things, it also can give the flavor for the types of rewards you give, right? Mm. Um, so so that was one. Um, and another one for the writing course, um, we really talk, we're talking about his, about his personality and what he was like and 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 his play personality because it's about you also playing you know entering that space using your the, your course as a way to play 
you know, create a playful experience with your players. Uh, but you yourself have to feel like you're in that playful space and bring your playful personality to it. And um, so, so with um, my other client, we built, actually it's with David, um, we, we created this whole thing where the writing course is now around rock and roll and music. How does rock and roll and music then parallel the writing experience? And, and then that then took him on a journey. He's created all, you know, all the content, all the videos are with this theme of rock and roll. Um, and it makes it a lot more engaging. And in addition to that, then we're able to, to build the rewards. When, when are the rewards? How often do they get rewarded? What should they look like? You know, this kind of thing for the middle of the course itself. Uh, the the one tip I can give to everyone is that one of the reasons people don't finish courses, well, besides them being boring and dry, and uh, and two, besides not realizing that people are super busy and and they don't have time to complete a fifty minute video module, is is that you're it's so chock full of content usually there and it's so long um that it's a bit like there's two analogies i use depending on what you can relate to so if you're a games person it would be like beating the boss at the beginning of the game mm. so that's like the big tough guy that that you either beat at each level or at the very end of the game that's what you're giving them you're having them beat the boss right at the beginning or asking someone who's going to the first yoga class for the first time to do like a weird standing flexible pose from the beginning, you know, yeah, like yeah. that's, that's yeah. what most course creators are asking people to do right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, and I like, um, I like to think of it as, um, you know, people are thirsty and you kind of put a fire hose in their mouth and turn on, turn on yes. the pressure full. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a great analogy. I might steal it from you sometime and give you credit. <laughs> but but yeah, that's exactly what we do with these courses. And mm. and then sure, if people have the energy um or they're really motivated, then then the first week or two you can kind of go on your own steam because you're excited about the newness of it. But after that you just can't keep up with the pace. You, um because you have other things going on. And and it's and it's so focused on having like intrinsic motivation um, to finish it. Um, and there's nothing external that's sort of helping you. There's no group. Usually there's not a social group that helps you go through it. Right. Um, there's usually uh, there's absolutely no rewards. Right. There's absolutely no connection with the with the people. They bought it. And maybe other than. Maybe if it's a drip fed course where it comes out every week you know you get a little message saying hey your module two is ready but other than that no one's checking in on you to Mm. say hey how's it going do you have questions uh what's happening where are you struggling no you know it's it's like completely on your own a complete isolation to complete this and then no way of helping the person continue to feel motivated um to finish it other than their own personal innate passion for it so yeah yeah and you've you've certainly highlighted a lot of different things that people can do there um i I would like to go back to the pirate the pirate example i mean i i had this vision there of of the treasure map and you you know i could imagine so you could design a really fabulous experience there in terms of um complete module one and you get this little bit of the puzzle and and that that could motivate somebody then oh i want to solve this whole puzzle now it's a sort of that yes. becomes the game but to get the next yes. clue in the puzzle you have to do the next module and complete the module so you kind of you know you've hooked people on solving this puzzle which is the game um and in doing so they complete the whole course because they've got to get all the yeah. clues yes exactly so it is like this it is mm. like this and in, and of course it depends on the kind again depends on the kind of players hmm. you have, right? Uh, because let's pretend that you might have um, uh, uh, socializers 
you know, it, uh, if you have socializers and you want to make sure that as you're completing this puzzle, there's a way for people to share hmm. uh, maybe what what they think it could be, right? Or maybe it takes like a group effort to make it happen, um, this kind of a thing. Uh, if if you you assume that everyone is an achiever that they want to just kind of do it on for themselves, um, or maybe you miss the fact that you have a lot of killers, in which case they really need competition. Yeah. So um, yeah, so so really, um, it's all sort of tied together, and you can see how it's very art and science based, and it's not. Um, you can I'm not saying you cannot get any results by just trying some things right and putting them out there and there's some good good books out there um that you can read but what I'm saying is that you can w without really looking at the whole picture you you might not maximize all the benefits of gamification hmm. so for example I can give you an example of um someone I know who who did a uh, for her podcast launch she did um a leaderboard and she was giving people points based on how much they shared about the podcast and um, depending on how many things they did she would give them points and so uh during the week of the launch or the two weeks of the launch she was constantly sharing uh the leaderboard and she was really happy i don't know how many downloads she got but i think for a first time podcast i think she got maybe a thousand downloads you know within that week and that's really huge for beginning mm -hmm. that so so it was successful so it wasn't not not successful but what happens when you're showing a leaderboard like this is that if if you have some people probably either killers or achievers <laughs> at the top they just go crazy they yeah. just start like yeah. sending it to everyone. And so very quickly, they will rise up to the top, right? Like the 1%, they'll just rise up to the top and they'll have crazy amount of numbers. Like they, they suddenly have 250 points and you've got like five because mm. you sent it to five people, right? But they do it every day to different people all the time, right? And, and so that, when you see that, and it happens very quickly because they go yeah. forward. Um, yeah, and you so see that in the leaderboard after like a day or two. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so what happens is then you have like say maybe you have like like your your um community has just to say something like five hundred people. Um but then it's really these ten people who are like at the top. What happens is anyone else who was already trying, they'll stop. Hmm. They'll stop because they'll see the that uh, they're never going to catch up and they're never going to win any of the prizes because these folks just like, you know, went yeah. running. It, it, it's a bit like like running a race against someone who who's a very talented, um, yeah. you know, runner. And you're like, well, might as well not try. Not they're going to yeah, finish right. before I even start. Yeah, I see and, that a lot. The, I see that a lot in um, yeah. in affiliate programs. Where, where people gamify the affiliate programs with leaderboards and okay we'll give a mm -hmm. special prize to the top three yep. um affiliates yep. or whatever and and it's exactly that it's there's people that mm -hmm. they will basically stop doing everything else and just focus completely on that keep sharing you know every every hour they share it with 100 people or so on and by the time you've done a little bit and you look at the leaderboard you think oh there's no point in me doing any more here and and so you yeah. wonder if you, yeah if you turn it around and look at it from point of view of the business owner that's trying to get um, maximize their sales mm -hmm. through this program you think well um, they're kind of alienating a lot of people that mm -hmm. don't don't put in much of an effort anymore because they mm -hmm. get to this point of being demotivated. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and and. One of my mentors in gamification is someone that's very well known in gamification. Called his name is Yukai Chow, and uh, and what Yukai says regarding leaderboards is that rather than than showing who's in the top leaderboard, only show people who's right above them and right below them. Mm. 
So they never see who the top is. And actually, even in games, you don't ever see the top, top, top person. You just basically see, you know, a few people ahead of you. Because if you if you're in if there's a million players and you're you're in position eight hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot more motivating to see who's in, you know, 780,000 and who's in 820,000. Mm. So you can, so you can be like, okay, I need to keep up. So the people yeah, yeah. behind me don't, don't, and, and I have to, my next level then is to try to beat the people at 780,000, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. And there's, that's there's more motivation in that, isn't there? You kind of say, I exactly. wonder if I can get ahead of these three people there. Exactly. Exactly. So then when doing leaderboards, this is what should be done. And, and again, if you don't know gamification, if you haven't studied gamification, you'll miss out on this tiny, tiny scientific behavioral fact mm. yeah. by putting the leaderboards, uh, which then would mean that instead of having, you know, uh, like 1% participation in your affiliate program, you could have 30, 40 or 50 mm. participants percent participation because the motivation is 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 um is not is it becomes more individual of trying to achieve something versus comparison right um and so and and knowing who the mix is for example like um you don't if there if you have a lot of social socializers maybe it would help to connect them all and help them help each other through the affiliate program for example um rather than having them compete against each other because also that won't work for them so yeah yeah well that's that's wonderful and you know there's so much there but we don't we don't want to give away all the secrets (laughs) though of course yeah Um, so i think you know on on that note i mean we've we've talked about bringing gamification in a smart way um using behavioral psychology into training programs and we've kind of diverted on to uh, leaderboards and uh, affiliate programs. I think it's a, probably a good point now to wrap it up and move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And um, you know, there's, there's questions around innovation that are designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience and hopefully inspire them to go and do something awesome today as a result of your answers. All right, let's see how I do. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Play. Play. (laughs) Play. Yes, definitely play. Mm. Like do something first thing in the morning to play, whatever that means for you. I mean, I personally like to recommend people do the personality quiz that helps you figure out what type of play is best for you. But play first thing in the morning, you know. tickle someone jump around watch some funny video yeah. uh if you like to be creative do something quickly creative um you know i think i think setting that up at the beginning of the day can open your mind to find new solutions mm, yeah i love that and um i was just going to say i mean i'm well beyond having small children around uh, but mm-hmm. that's small children are a really good trigger for um play first thing in the morning but we do have a very mischievous cat um who uh, that's awesome yeah, yeah cats are great for playing yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> all right now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas um well of course the one answer of course play yeah. um but <laughs> But but the other part is uh, I think I mentioned before that I am a spiritual person. So um, I what I do to develop new ideas is I'm always in a prayerful and thankful space, and I I find that when you're in this space, um, just constantly thanking for the things that you have in your life, uh, the sunshine, your health, um, the friends, the food. Um, it sort of clears your mind to allow ideas to come in. You're you're in a more receptive, receiving place when you're in a thankful place. Um, so that's what works for me. And, and I find that then ideas suddenly start coming to me in random places <laughs> in the shower or, <laughs> yeah. or uh, when I'm walking. Um, and uh, yeah, so that would be my answer. 
Mm, yeah, well, that, I I like the the idea of attitude of gratitude. I think is is mm -hmm. so important today. And you know, there's so much stuff we could be worrying about, but then mm -hmm. um, you kind of focus all your attention and all the subconscious um, part mm -hmm. of your mind that that comes up with those ideas in the shower um, is is taken up with worrying about stuff. Exactly. I, I think that you just hit exactly what I think happens is that when you're in this um, thankful state of mind, the the things that normally crowd your mind that would be worries or concerns are moved away. So it creates space hmm. for for creativity and, and ideas to come in. Um, because if, if your mind is crowded with, with other types of information um, and worries and such, then it's very difficult for cool ideas to come in. There's no entry. You're full, right? You need to That's sort of right, yeah. clear, clear, clear house. You know, do like mm. a cleaning. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I have this exercise that I developed once um, on a bike ride where we were taking all these kids on a bike ride, and they'd um, the the night before they looked at the profile of the ride for the next day, and there was a it was actually a very flat day, but in the middle of that flat, there was a, a small hill. Um, because it was a very flat day, the profile looked pretty daunting with this, you know, one hill in the middle. And mm -hmm. so they spent the whole night worrying about this big hill we have to climb tomorrow. And then in the morning, that's all they talked about. And so I got them mm. all together and I said, all right, we're going to spend 30 seconds really intensely worrying about this big hill. And they all looked at me kind of funny. <laughs> and I said, no, come on, P pay attention, worry about this big hill now. You've been talking about it all night. <laughs> let's let's really worry about this big hill. And, and, and so they all kind of, I said, put your heads down, close your eyes and worry intensely. And so they all closed their eyes and all gathered around. And after the 30 seconds were up, I said, all right, we're done. Okay, good. We don't need to worry about that hill anymore. We're just going to go out and ride. It's all done. And, I love that. That's so great. Yeah. And I kind of think about that every now and then. And when there's something, yeah. that somebody's sort of worried about something that they can't control, they've got no control over. And I think, well, there's no real point in worrying about it because you can't control it and you can't change it. You, What you can do is is change your response to it. So that's that's what you should exactly. focus energy on. Yeah, and this reminds me uh, briefly of this video I just saw about uh, this dad that was filming because he, his two daughters were crying because they were missing their mom. I guess she had gone somewhere. Hmm. And, and so he was like, all right, we're going to play a game. We're all going to take turns crying for mommy, you know? <laughs> and so... So he's like, okay, but me first, me first. So he starts like pretending he's crying. Okay, okay, now you. And then by the time they get to the second round, they're like, what? Like, <laughs> like this, is, this is what? You know? He's like, wait, you don't want to cry anymore? They're like, no. I'm like, okay. So I thought it's exactly, it's very similar to what you just yeah. did. Exactly. It's like, okay, then we're gonna cry. Let's let's but let's cry in in an organized fashion. We're gonna really put it in there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Um, in terms of gamification? Yeah, just in terms of business or, in general. Yes, yes. Um, well, I think um, I don't. I don't have one, but I. But I will recommend. Um, I. I belong to Diocalis's uh, Prime Group by Yukai Chow. They're a gamification. Um, sort of group uh, membership, and I think that's my primary research for gamification that I'm using these days. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so basically, uh, like a a team or a, a group of people that you can call on to help out with knowledge or yeah, we're we're like or, yeah, 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 exactly. We're like a membership, mm. and so they're my resource for you know. There's a lot of like. Um, content and information there and then and then there's group uh, talks and things like this so so for my particular business this is my main resource yeah all right great so talking to people and um working with people the social part yeah. of it yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> okay um what's the best way to keep a client on track when you're working with them and you're building one of these experiences 
Yeah, it, it, this is actually a little bit um, challenging um, in my experience. So, so there's one is, of course, I practice what I preach. So I have some gamified things that I do <laughs> with my clients themselves. Uh, and, uh, and then um, the other thing is that, I, that it's consistent, right? So, so as we're working together, we're meeting consistently. So it, it's not, okay, go do that and call me when you're done with that. It's more, all right, this should take this amount of time. So let's meet on this date. And it just consistently meet, meet together to keep moving the, the needle forward. Mm -hmm. So keeping yeah. the consistency, but yeah, doing that. <laughs> yeah. So you, you um, put gamification on the process of building gamification into the client's program. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Well, I mean, the one thing they can do to differentiate themselves is you. I mean, yeah. you are a unique individual with your own uh, quirks, personality, uh, preferences, you know, and I think bringing yourself to whatever aspect of your business is is key. That's how you differentiate yourself. I mean, the um, yeah, we can talk a lot about market and and segmenting and this and that, but really, people are inspired by authenticity, and and if you have that, if you show that, if you show who you are, I think that brings the right people to you. Mm. Yes, it's sort of common common beliefs and common values. Uh, but you, mm -hmm. you talked earlier about you know the importance of knowing your own personality as a player if you're going to bring mm -hmm. play into or a gamification into your programs, but also knowing who the audience is, so the the people mm -hmm. who are going to be playing the game with you. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that kind of all fits together, doesn't it? Being really mm -hmm. clear about mm -hmm. what makes you unique and being that authentic to to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Elia. This has been You're welcome. really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about the work you do and and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared? Oh, sure. Um, so you can always find me um, on my website. You're welcome to join my newsletter there. Uh, that's tintq.com. That's T as in Tom, I as in e blue. Yeah. And it's a Nancy, T as in Tom, H as in Harry, U as in Umbrella, and E as in Elephant.com. Um, I'm also on social media under Alia Sandovar, so however it is that you want to find me. And of course, if you want to come and play with us, um, our, our Playful Creative Summit is launching at the end of April, and it's free to join. So if you want to come and play and also learn from other game and gamification folks, um, you can join us there. And that's playfulcreativesummit.com. Wonderful. And we'll have all the links that you mentioned in the show notes. And uh, certainly, um, I think we're publishing this just around the time the summit will start. So it is free to register, right? Yes, it's free to register. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll publish this just before the summit starts. So as you're listening, go check out playfulcreativesummit.com and jump straight on if it's something that you would like to be involved in. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Do you have some parting advice for our listener today, Elia? Mm-hmm. Hmm, it's a great, great question. Um, I think, I, I would guess I would say that don't forget to once in a while um, be childlike. Mm. And the world is uh, serious enough as it is. It's sort of structured for seriousness and um, maintaining a sort of childlike spirit, not childish, but childlike yeah. spirit uh, can can go a long way to giving us uh, peace of heart and peace of mind. Yeah, that, that's really great advice. I think we, we um, 
get too serious at times, right? And sometimes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just going back and letting that inner child out can be mm -hmm. so, so good for us. And I'm glad you, you separated uh, not childish, so not, not <laughs> being bad childish, but um, just enjoying game and the simple mm -hmm. things and, mm -hmm. and bringing out some creativity because children are so creative and somewhere along the line most of us lose it as we get older all right well who else should i get on this podcast and why oh um okay so uh i actually have a friend uh his name is uh stefan Leinen. he works in um artificial intelligence um i think he'd be really cool to have on a podcast in terms of talking about innovation um that would be very cool um let's see who else uh if you can get him uh yukai chow would be great uh he can talk a lot more about gamification he's a very very cool man and very humble and um and uh yeah and then there's um someone else uh her name is uh georgina miranda um she's a latin american woman and she helps uh women um build businesses and find funding uh, for their businesses uh, through a company called she ventures and um, mm -hmm. she's very cool so um yeah right so those are my three <laughs> suggestions <laughs> three for the price of one <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> Great, Alia. Well, we'll um, we'll get an in introduction to Stefan, to Yukai, and Georgina from you, and we'll reach out to them and see whether we can bring more on the show. Yeah, that would be great. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time with us today so generously, and and particularly your insights. I think there's a lot there that um, we can take away in terms of the thought we need to give to you know bringing this whole concept of gamification into programs that we have into products that we have there's a lot more that goes into it than just sort of simple leaderboards and badges and um, points scores um, and and it really does come back to what what underpins human behavior and psychology and the different types of people that we're trying to attract to our programs so thanks for really helping me dig into that some more and helping me understand what's involved there and i'm really i've really enjoyed this today i've learned a lot and i wish you all the best for the future and let's stay in touch yeah thank you so much and yes thank you so much for having me i've also enjoyed this conversation a lot and uh, i would love to stay in touch I hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative conversation with Elia and took something away from her episode. I find it fascinating that with gamification, like with so much else in life, it's based on an understanding of human behavior, knowing what the desired outcome is and who the target audience is. I'd love to know what you took away from Elia's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Alia Sandovar. That is A-L-Y-E-A-S-A-N-D-O-V-A-R. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Alia Sandovar. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Alia, as well as links to the Tint Hue website, to Alia's personal website, to the Playful Creative Summit website and her social media pages, as well as all the other resources we spoke about in today's conversation. Now, if you like this episode and got some value out of it, then please don't keep it to yourself. Share it with two other people that it might help and tag me on, on that share. So I'll reach out to you then with a special thank you gift. Alia suggested that we have a conversation with AI expert Stefan Leinen, gamification pioneer and author of Actionable Gamification, UK Chow, and Georgina Miranda of She Ventures on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. Actually, that'll be three episodes. So Stefan, UK, and 
Georgina, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Alia Sandoval. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Oleg Lohid of Overcoming Odds and speaker and transformational coach Rusty Gaylard. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.